House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back to the House of Run podcast, also on at gmail.com. I'm Kevin in Austin, Texas, joined as I am each week by Jason in Las Vegas, who sounds like you have a special guest there in the background, Jason. Do you want to introduce him or her? Yeah, I don't know if, if the audience can hear it. Hopefully not very much if they can. Um, there's a guy doing leaf blowing in my front yard, uh, which is, you know, which is nice, but uh, also just reminds me of, of Hayward Field. You know, mm. like I'm, I feel like I feel like I'm back. Um to a place that will never be the same again. <laughs> we went less than 60 seconds at the top of the show. <laughs> went down. I mean, and, I just feel like, I don't know, you, you, you texted me earlier this week about how Oregon's coach was, was leaving for the University of Washington and how the, the curse of Hayward was beginning. And uh-huh. now I've got leaf blowers outside my house for the first t- you know, time during recording, maybe ever. So I, I feel like, yeah, there's, there's something here. I don't know if there's a curse, but Jason... Like Plato and his tale, the world's creation. I won't say absolutely this is the truth, <laughs> but I will say it's a likely story. On today's show, we are going to be previewing the USA Outdoor Championships in Des Moines. I am leaving Wednesday morning to head out there for all four days uh, of the meet in Des Moines. So if you're around, let me know. Say hello. Um, We'll also do some emails and voicemails at the end of the show. Talk about Kellen Taylor running 224. But let's start here with, with USA's, Jason. It's a non-championship year. We've said that once the clock struck midnight on Ryan Seacrest's <laughs> New Year's rocking. Is it New Year's? No, is Dick Clark's rocking New Year's, New Year's Eve? Eve? Rocking, okay, did he rock- change it? Did he get like rights to the name? It's a good, it's a good question. I've... Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever watched that. I, it never really appealed to me to just watch people celebrate New Year's. Like, uh-huh. I mean, it also doesn't appeal to me to, like, be around 7,000 people at the same True. time. But, you know, I'm usually just hanging out with, like, 10 other people and mm-hmm. uh, not watching TV. But, you know, I, I yeah, I, I feel like it still should be called, like, Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve, right? Like, that should be it right. forever. Like the Lombardi so, trophy is going to be the Lombardi trophy regardless. <laughs> exactly. The ball, anyway, the ball came down. They count out five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year, everybody. But just a reminder, it's a non-championship year, so USA's <laughs> might not be as good. And then they went on and engaged in the normal revelry of the evening. Yes. Uh, but, I mean, but a lot of these fields are still uh, very, very good. I wrote my uh, distance preview, which you can read on FlowTrack. The men's 800 in particular is, is pretty strong, but just... Top line, what are you what are you most excited about seeing in e- either individually or one race that particularly grabs your attention? Yeah, there's obviously yeah, we're missing some of the big names, particularly in the sprints. Um, but uh events jumping out, I mean women's four uh is certainly up there. You got Kendall Ellis, um, uh, you know, who's just ran some impressive uh times. Cindy McLaughlin is running the open four mm-hmm. apparently, which I did not know was going to happen, but I'm very excited about it because I Jason. wanted her to break 50 and this was her best yeah. chance to do that. Uh, but you also have uh, uh Wimbley, a Colo um, in there. Unfortunately, no, no Felix, but uh, mm-hmm. between, you know, you basically have the complete, you know, next generation of 
400 runners here, including, you know, chill out Sydney. And that, that, that basically, that's probably the headline to me, maybe along with the, the men's two. The men's two is, is interesting as well. You know, it doesn't have, well, right now it says Noah Lyles is qualified and he's declared, meaning he's in the race. But I thought I saw a tweet that said he's only running the hundred. Oh, um, that would be a bummer. Yeah, because we already we're already short. You know, Gatlin and Coleman famously aren't running. But I mean, I'd argue I'm interested in the 200 regardless if Lyles runs. I mean, he'll him running it would make it even more amazing. But just to see what Norman will be able to do in a 200 if there's good weather and a legal wind mm-hmm. is is enough to carry this race for me in the same way where. If it was just Sydney in that race, even if Ellis wasn't in there, and even if Okolo wasn't in there, you still got to watch that 400 because there's a couple, there's a handful of people who you want to see what they do. I mean, you'd show up to a time trial, which is them in the watch right. right now. And usually those people are younger people because we have no idea what their, what their talent is. Like we, we don't know what their ceiling is. Some of the more established stars... Yeah, you want to see them run, but there isn't that sense of wonder about it. But for me, Norman still has that forty-three sixty-one in the four hundred. I mean, what's he do in the What's he do in the two? I mean, I mean, he's run nineteen-eight wind aided, twenty-oh-six wind legal. I think definitely under you know a, a new PR, a new PR. You should never say new PR. A PR is a PR. A PR if it's wind legal because he'll be running this thing. Fresh with no 400. How low do you think he can go? Yeah, he's he's certainly... I mean, obviously, I think he's easily capable in 1908s, if not much better than that. Um, I wouldn't, you know, put, like, 197s or 6s past him. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. that's really hard to do. You need kind of perfect scenario. And it would be great if Noah Lyles was in that race to have them square off, because we know Noah Lyles mm-hmm. can run 19.6. So you could put them together... Uh, yeah, but I, I'd expect obviously something something very good. I, I would think if Lyles decides just to run the hundred, that seems like a mistake to me. Uh, I mean, he could win the hundred; that wouldn't be crazy. But Ronnie Baker's been running really well too. Um, whereas the two hundred, he's—I mean, he's certainly the favorite. I guess the only guy you'd really say has any chance whatsoever would be Norman because of the the unknown mm-hmm. factor. But I mean, I guess it doesn't matter too much. But you know, you want to get a U.S. championship under your belt, and I think the 200 is a better chance for him than the 100. Do you, Jason? Do you really want? I mean, I, you know, you wonder how important it really is. I think it's more just sharpening up for the rest of the Diamond League season, especially if those big name guys um, and women who who ne- who aren't necessarily like, oh, I need to win because I need the money or I need the bonus in the contract, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think I think to Lyles is probably more important Diamond Leagues down the road. So, do you think? Do you have Baker as your favorite? In the, I mean, he has to be, right? Based on what he did in Rome, based on what he did in at, at pre. I even think if Coleman and Gallen were in there, that you'd probably you'd probably give Baker the edge just based on this year. Yeah, I think you know Coleman Baker. It would be interesting if if Coleman was coming in a hundred percent. Like I'm still insanely high on Coleman, but yeah, Baker, just based on what's happened, Baker's been the most impressive. Uh, Lyles. Certainly is, you know, he's capable of running nine nine low. I mean, he's got nine nine three as his as his qualifier here, um, mm-hmm. which is the same as Baker. So, I I mean, I, I just don't see Lyles as like a, you know, like a nine 
low nine eights guy, but maybe, maybe like if he just made that his focus, he absolutely could. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do think, yeah, Baker's the favorite. And yeah, you're probably right. I mean, Gatlin, he's run 10 a few times and he, and he won more recently. Um, mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he can still probably run nine, nine, uh, but you know, by the end of any season pretty easily, but yeah, I would take Baker over him for sure. And, and Coleman would be, would be close, but yeah, Baker, Baker should be the favorite, but I don't know. Maybe I'm completely underselling Lyles. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he, is built for the, right now. He's built for the two hundred, mm-hmm. and I almost, I almost see him more as like a two hundred up guy than a two hundred down. Yeah, if that makes sense. But you can't argue with with nine nine and having that range is good. I mean, in in many ways, it's like a little bit more sprint folk, short distance focus than we Van Niekerk. That's how I'd see him. I don't see him going all the way up to the four hundred like Van Niekerk, but I I see him as, as having the flexibility to bounce between the two events, but more at home. And at 200, just because once he once he gets rolling, like he he almost needs that. It's like Felix. Actually, that's a better comparison than yeah. Van Niekerk. Like he needs that that run up a little bit more, because once he hits that top, I mean his speed endurance is is preposterous at this point. Yeah. But women's hundred, no buoy. Uh, we talked about no Felix. Women's 200. There's uh, Gabby Thomas. Uh, of the U.S. is not in there. Lena Irby of Georgia, the, she's not in. That would be cool to see her in the 400, right? After oh, running absolutely. 49.8. That yeah, that's been. a bummer. That That's the only th- I mean, obviously you want Felix in there too. Yeah, but if you could throw those two, I mean, that would be, that's the race. I mean, it already probably is the most interesting race at the meet to me, as mm-hmm. is. But if you throw those in there, that's, I mean, God, that's that's amazing. What, I mean, what would you say? I mean, are you, are you going back to Sydney for a second? You're... Are you knowing what she's done recently? Mm-hmm. You're still more. You'd be more excited to see her in the quarter than in the four hurdles at this point. Yeah, I, I was. I was thinking about this. Yeah, before we started recording. Uh, I mean, the women's. You know, the the hurdles. You have Maline, Little, Spencer, Tate. Like you, you have most. Yeah, of the, you got a good squad. Most of the names in there. So obviously, you do want to see her square off against them. But still, my my interest in her in the four is still so high. And mm-hmm. we, we've, we've only gotten just the smallest bit of taste of it. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's, I think I prefer this because I think she's going to be running the 400 hurdles next year, like in the championship mm-hmm. year, and she's going to be going for that. So we'll see her against the absolute best. Uh, but just right now, I just, because she's taken this huge step forward in the, in the 400 hurdles, I want to see that translated to the open four. And I want to see what she's capable. I mean, if she, you know, if she runs 49, seven, like that seems totally possible to me um and i just you know it would be incredibly interesting i still think she'll probably run the 400 hurdles next year but uh, i i just you know the 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 talent is so so just crazy um and her against ellis is is pretty intriguing here's a fun stat for you do you know what the qualifying time is to get into the meet in the 400 for women i do not 53 seconds oh jeez. do you know what sydney mclaughlin ran in the 400 hurdles this year (laughs) that's Fifty-two seventy-five. That is that is crazy. <laughs> that is absolutely insane. I mean, it's all it's a meaningless stat, but it but it is telling. Um, bummed we're not going to see Rye Benjamin in the foreign hurdles or anything else. Still, yeah, I think that's still the uh, transfer of allegiance issue with the IAAF because he's another one who you'd want to see. But I'm guessing he's going to run throughout the summer in the Diamond League and hopefully get a shot at at the world record and then race against Samba and and Warholm the big three right now 
in the in the foreign hurdles. Let's talk about. Do you want to talk about these distance races? Much yeah. deeper. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, much yeah. Most, deeper. much much more people showing up for the for the distance, as to be expected, basically. So the men, you have an interesting field here because you have Brazier, who hasn't raced since indoors, but he's last year's outdoor champ. You have Isaiah Harris, who just won NCAA's. You have Eric Sawinski, who has the second fastest time by an American this year, only after Harris. You have Wendell, who is silver medalist indoors. Murphy, obviously bronze medal from the Olympics and fifth at pre in the mile. Uh, Barian, who DNF'd at the Portland Track Festival, but almost looked like he was rabbiting, but it was already a rabbit. It was <laughs> kind of st- strange to watch there. So, But, I mean, I, I think I think we're going to be talking about Barian for the next couple of years, regardless of what he does. He's still so young, and he got good so quickly Yeah, that, that his name is going to be brought up here. I like – actually like Sawinski in here. I know it's a, a bit of an upset with all those names in there, but – He's so he's so under the radar, and he's run one forty five low this year, and he's just done it so many times that I like him. But I, I mean, a lot of these like I'm just interested to see Brazier what what's he capable of right now? What's I mean, can can Barian you know get out of the get out of the first round, get out of the next you know like it's more just like progress for a lot of these people. So and in a non championship year, I guess that's sort of fitting that that's like what you're looking at. It's like who's setting themselves up well for, for next year. And then someone like Harris, you know, just had the best race of his life. Wasn't a PR PR to this meet last year. You know, can he get in the, can they get under 144? Can we see a, a time that quickly? I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very interesting, right? I mean, yeah, like you mentioned Brazier ran indoors really well and then hasn't really, hasn't run at all since that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's right. So that's weird. Swinsky is completely consistent, and he's, I mean, him and Harris are pretty similar, actually. Um, where you just basically expect them both to run well, um, mm-hmm. but, but maybe the ceiling's not as high. Murphy clearly has, I guess, probably the, high, the highest ceiling of everybody here. Um, you know, he's already, he's run 142 before. He's not quite there, but this, <clears throat> he's been running a little better lately, you know, in some of the 15s and the mile. I could see him, you know, not setting a PR, but like setting a, a you know, the yearly best here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's 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 really interesting. Barian, I, it's weird to almost forget a, about a guy who's had mm-hmm. as much success as he's had, and he's only twenty five or whatever. Like that's, yeah. it's it's crazy. But yeah, he has a ton of time to get back. So you know, he's barely broken one forty eight this year. Um, you know, if he can, like I said, even you know, get through a round or so. Um, you know, obviously improve a little bit on what he's done. Uh, you know, I, I don't expect him. If he made the final, that would be like a crazy accomplishment at this point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's just, there's a ton of different kind of storylines going on here. Yeah. Can Harris, now that he has maybe a group of guys who are as good or better, can push him to a better time. Like, you know, who knows? This race could go a hundred different ways. Yeah. That's why I'm really interested to see it. And a lot of people can claim success without winning. And yeah, that's that's interesting to watch when that happens. 2016 trials, Murphy and Barry and go one, two. And then everything changed. Right. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, that's that's going to be an interesting story just to follow going into the next Olympic cycle. Um, how those. Uh, yeah, it's it's we Barry's had so many ups and downs already. Such a quick rise and then got hurt and then now down again. So I, I think it's foolish to to count him out. 
yet. I want to see a little more. Women's eight, usual suspects. Ajay Wilson, Charlene Lipsy, Raven Rogers. Got some new faces there with uh, Sierra Brown, who's run under two minutes this year. Sammy Watson, who just won NCAAs and won uh, U.S. Juniors, the U20, last mm. week, is there. Sabrina Sutherland, the indoor champion, who had a disappointing race at NCAAs, is entered. This is, this is pretty good, though, top to bottom. I, mean, I expect Wilson to roll yeah, just because sure. that's what she always <laughs> does. I, I, I don't know what the drama is here other than maybe we'll get a quick time. Maybe a lot of people get PRs. Yeah, I think, you know, Wilson can basically play rabbit to everybody else and yeah, try to try to PR half the field or, you know, half the the the, the younger ones who maybe haven't had a chance to have mm-hmm. someone of of AJ Wilson's caliber like in the race. I mean, that and then, you know, Lipsy as well is around 157. So you have obviously just yeah, everyone runs under 2 now. Um I mean, there's only four, I guess, marks entered here that are under 2, but Mm-hmm. after the race i would guess that'll be more than that um yes. so yeah i think it could be fast wilson's clearly just in another level than everybody but um yeah some of the some of the college college girls in here and just just in general it's 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 a good you know hopefully the the weather's good because that, that seems like a good opportunity to, to run something fast so between the rest so between the 1500 5 and 10 who do you think and this is a loaded question mm-hmm. But I, I guess who do you think needs a good race, mm. or who who could be like really helped by a good race, like the Barian question, I guess. But with the fifteen, five, and ten for men and and women, right? Is there anybody there? I'm trying to think of anybody who's really sticking out. I'm sure you have someone in mind. Um... No, I'm not. I do not have anybody in mind. <laughs> this is just a random question that came to my head. It um, actually did. I mean, I saw Centro's name, so I thought, oh, Centro. I was like, kind of thinking of Centro. I mean, it's hard to say that the an Olympic gold medalist could use a good race. Some uh, confidence. I mean, obviously, he hasn't. You know, he's been injured, and um, he's, you know, working his way back. And, he, and he's run well, but not really, like, himself yet mm-hmm. um, since he's been back. So, yeah, I mean, to, to, if, the, if the race goes where... Centro tucks himself into second and third, and then, mm-hmm. you know, around the final turn, he just dusts the entire field and looks exactly like Matthew Centrowitz again. Then that's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, like everything's kind of back to normal. Um, but outside of that, yeah, I don't, I don't, I didn't have, I was looking through, I don't really see anybody else who, who kind of could need something like that. I mean, there's some interesting, the women's 15 is a good race. Hulahan and Simpson is, is a fun matchup. I mean, I'll still take Simpson. Um, but you also have Martinez in there. Uh, well, that was my pick, Martinez. Oh, okay. Because with Houlihan emerging as a main rival to Simpson, and Robray, we assume Robray's going to be back next year, mm-hmm. and Simpson and Robray have to go 1-2 in some order in a 1500. <laughs> right. And then you have Houlihan there. I mean, it, it's it's going to be – that team's going to be really tough to make. Yeah. In 19 and 20. Not to mention, you know, the depth there with people like Sarah Vaughn, Ephraimson, Kate Grace, et cetera, et cetera. It's it's tough. It's a tough field when two spots are you know already spoken for. So, yeah, I think I think Martinez need would be helped by getting back to that like close close to Simpson level. 
Um, I mean, everybody would, so that's not saying much. But I just think I think the emergence of Houlihan makes it more important than ever if you're trying to get top three. And it's not like I mean, she could drop down to the eight, I guess. But I was just I mean, gonna which, say, yeah, it's... which teams which teams easier to make? She's she's somewhere between you know the I guess maybe second third to like sixth in both events like or yeah. you know like she's very very good um she's not gonna beat A.G. Wilson like it's just not gonna happen mm-hmm. um I don't think she could beat Jenny Simpson because they run kind of a similar type race and Simpson's just better at it mm-hmm. um and then you have a ton of young talent in both um she, she you know she like I said she's she's great in both but it's just she's oh I think she's gonna yeah constantly be battling for that third spot um which isn't a terrible place to be, but it, it it's it one it doesn't seem like one is an easier path than the other. Yeah, I agree. And in the longer stuff, there's no one really that fits that bill. I'm excited to watch the women's ten because there's no team to qualify. The weather will probably be stupid hot, mm-hmm. but Molly Huddle's not going to give a crap. Right, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and her and her and Sisson, I think will will go hard from the gun. Gwen Jorgensen's. Also in that race, men's ten. Men's ten is interesting now. You see this list; it's a lot of people, a lot of names that we are not familiar with. Right? Guys. Yeah, I you mean, get you have a few at the top, but then yeah, you got Kip Chirchir who should win. You know, you got Heath and Lamong who are short distance guys moving up at this latter stage in their career. You have Ben Bruce who's been around for a while, but then after that, it's like a who's who of people you probably have not seen. Or not been very familiar with, so I, maybe someone from there jumps out, which would be fun. The men's I've five. I've been a Zachary Zarda fan from the Kansas City Smoke, Kevin. You've known that about me. <laughs> the Kansas City Smoke is a cool club team. It's name. a phenomenal so. team name. I, I now I need to see like if they have a cool shirt because if they don't, do you I'm know what? Very disappo- disappointed. Do, does Zachary Zarda go by Zach or Zachary? Do you think? And if so, I mean, should the Kansas City Smoke make Zachary Zarda a special edition? Zack Attack t-shirt. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Zachary Zarda sounds cooler, but Zack Attack would still work. Um, so, uh, Were there Zack Attack t-shirts from Saved by the Bell? Did uh, Zack Attack wear those shirts? I know that was the name of a bowling team that I was on with Mitch, and we all had Zach Morris shirts that we wore every week. Um, but I'm trying to remember. I think there are. I don't think they wore them in the actual show. Um, yeah. but they, they, they exist now, of course, because everything exists now. Oh yeah. There's at least like f- six different versions. If you, if you do Zach, Zach attack t-shirt. So I just did. Uh, yeah. So I did Zach attack band t-shirts. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a lot. This is good. I, I think I'm just figuring out which one thing. I'm going to order. <laughs> exactly. Uh, get it with a KKTY Bayside. Um, oh yeah with big bopper building absolutely that would be a good podcast idea if someone just continued to pretend like they're broadcasting from <laughs> kkty and did like news from bayside each week oh that's phenomenal that's right? i'm surprised no one's no one's done that yet actually i'm not surprised because it's probably a terrible idea so good luck to mr zarda out there men's five more well-known names with chalimo mead jenkins masters and hill at the top grant fisher stanford also in there uh, women's five, Houlihan, man, Houlihan is is a threat. I think she's a threat to to double. We'll also see Krisha Schweizer. Yeah, Schweizer in there is interesting. Run as well, and then we didn't. Yeah, okay, so we yeah we covered all the the distance stuff. Women's hurdles should be good. Although 
McNeil's not there, but Harrison, Stowers, Nelvis, Queen Harrison, Harper Nelson are all there. Men's hurdles, Merritt, Allen, Holloway at the top. Yeah, you get Holloway in there, which is which is nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else you're looking forward to? <sighs> yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's... Steeple. Do you have a do you have a pick for the steeple? Uh, Pretty it's wide open. So tough to pick who's gonna. I mean, the the depth is much more there. So like, it's you still know who's going to win, but yeah. like, it's not embarrassing. Who's like, it's not twenty se- something second victories. You know, it's not, we're not at that level anymore. Um, so it, you know, it'd be interesting if kind of any on either side really like the the next group if any of them can kind of. PR. I mean, I guess I wouldn't expect. You talk about men or women or both? Uh, I guess both. I mean, may, more on the men. It seems like there's a lot of guys who I wouldn't be surprised if they could kind of jump up mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, I mean, it'd be hard for Frericks to run much better than she did that one race. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so PR by more. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's it, and then there's you know between those two, there's a much bigger gap um, on the women's side. Whereas the men, it's kind of. There's a lot of guys, um, you know, within 20 or so seconds of Jager, um, mm-hmm. who, who, you know, maybe could get dragged 20 off. seconds. Well, 20 I, seconds. yeah, I mean, it's, but it's, you know, you got five guys there, so it's mm-hmm. for six guys maybe. So it, it, it could at least make something happen, you know, with, mm-hmm. with, with one of them. But yeah, of course, it's going to be the, what we expect out of that. All right. So if you're in Des Moines, Jason won't be there, but I will be. So shout me a holler, as the kids say. And <laughs> Is that what they say? No, not at all. Kellen Taylor, Jason, 224-28 at Grandma's Marathon in Minnesota. Uh, that puts her the all-time list behind Caster, Hase, Flanagan, Samuelson, Craig, Linden, and that's it. Yeah. So seventh, seventh fastest woman in the history of America. Um, she won a Toyota Yaris also. Yeah, that's... $1, that was, that's, was, cool, I, that's cool, I guess. Um, yeah, or it does say or cash equivalent, which is sure, which is nice. And hey, like, any new car is going to cost you twenty grand, basically. I mean, that doubles your prize money. So yeah, but you have to have a Yaris. So just kidding. I, I have nothing against that car. I don't know why. <laughs> do, you, do you still have your Kia, by the way? I do. Still have the, okay. the Kia Optima. Yeah, it's uh, uh, holding strong. So is this enough to put? Taylor in that in that top group because you know the people not in there that of the names that I listed there like Molly Huddle is not listed in that in that group right in terms because she hasn't popped a fast time yet I mean has Hase is Lyndon is Flanagan is but do you think with Taylor we're looking at somebody who could get one of those top three spots in in I mean twenty twenty so still so far away but the trials. You know, the very beginning of 2020, so we're about on, only a year and a half from now. We don't know what's going to happen in terms of people retiring, but is Taylor in that top tier now? She's certainly on the edge of it. You know, I don't know if I necessarily put her with Jose Flanagan, Linden yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Craig also has run 220. You know, it's hard to yeah, I forgot about yeah. You know, put her up there. I mean, I guess she's she's in that next group certainly and it's it's not even much of a gap i don't think um between those groups so like and so it wouldn't surprise me you know she she's absolutely has to be on the the list of people you say who have a chance of qualifying um you know flanagan's getting up there has say you expect to be around for a while 
uh, you know, Huddle still think will break through. Craig, I mean, it, it's just it's a loaded. It just added another name to this absolutely loaded, you know, kind of American um, field. I mean, it's you know, it's still, dominance. It's, well, yeah, it's still not you know Kenyan Ethiopian levels, and it, and I'm sure it never will be that. But uh, basically, the you know the women's side keeps coming up big. Where you know the men's side, we're still kind of waiting for the for the U.S. to do it. But yeah, every it seems like. You know, every year or two, uh, you know, another two, three women run something really good, and it's just going to make that, yeah, those to make those teams like that much more exciting. Interesting thing from the Taylor story was she had to wait sixty days since she dropped out of Boston. That was like in her contract. Mm. So this race was sixty-one days after, right? <laughs> people have been running really well after dropping out of boston too right that's that's, that's my, my point like rupp didn't have the 60 day clause in there but taylor did apparently boston was terrible to race in but great for preparation because every other marathon was like super easy compared to it. yeah like that's so whatever you know anyone else who ran in boston basically um just pr yeah you gonna PR. run something good i mean uh you know yeah I, i'm I am I'm high on uh, yeah just women's marathoning in general the the US side is just really really strong. Yuki Kawichi, hear that? Go out and run another race. Right? You can yes, do it. Oh wait. Well, you've wait, you've already run, run 3. <laughs> exactly. Um you talked about um the Oregon coaches, the pals going from Oregon to UW, Texas name Edric Florial, Kentucky's old coach, their head coach. Florial also coaches a pro group, Kenny Harrison, Corey Carter, Omar McLeod, et cetera, and Sydney's going to be part of that group. So the confirmation we got from Florial was that they're all be moving to Austin. So it's going to be uh, interesting times in, in Austin, both for the program, Texas, because Florial was really good at Kentucky, but also that whole pro group's going to be coming here and eating a lot of brisket and hopefully not getting slower. <laughs> Yeah, there's bad there's bad food in Kentucky though too, right? I mean, there has to be bad food everywhere. I mean, yeah, everywhere pretty much, right? I mean, that has to be the case. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Um, I don't know. I mean, you follow the NCAA scene closer than I do for sure. Uh, I mean, I guess overall, I, I I don't know what this means a whole lot. Um, you know, good coaches moving uh, makes mm-hmm. those programs better, sure. Um, Maybe they'll win the team race now, something I also don't really care about. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. <laughs> well, it's well, it he's he's a good coach. I mean, he took yeah. he took Kentucky from like the bottom of the SEC to to almost the almost the top. Uh, I mean, they were obviously finished behind Georgia on the uh, on the women's side of things. Men's side, they were farther back. But so I mean, if you're looking for an analogy, just think of a college basketball coach that goes to the hardest conference, takes one of the teams at the bottom and moves them up throughout his, his tenure. That's mm. that's what he did. The other thing I'm interested about is Texas's place now in the broader landscape of American track and field, because they're hosting the next two NCAA championships. Mm. You're moving you're moving all these big name athletes here in a pro group. I mean, if they wanted to make a move, no one's going to be like, I mean, no one has the infrastructure like Eugene has the infrastructure, but all those pieces are falling in for them to attract some real interest towards track right now. And 
I I don't know. I'm guessing Texas's first priority was just like, hey, let's get a coach in that can coach this team. I don't think they were thinking like, let's let's be Eugene of the South, right? Central area. <laughs> I don't I don't know if Austin's the South. I've only lived here six months. Coming to South. But like they could do it, right? I mean, Sydney's a name. Sydney's a huge name. So people, if she runs in a meet at Texas, like people are going to come out and and want to watch that. And they already have the baseline with the Texas Raiders with a lot of people coming out. So I'm just saying the the soil is rich right now. They they could build off of this with the NCAA's with this big group coming and with a lot of uncertainty in terms of who's hosting what in the coming years. Mm. That's that's my, that was just interesting. It's like with one sort of fell swoop, like all these things changed. And I don't know if they're going to do anything with it or they're going to advance it past that or if it's just going to be, hey, these people are training here and that's where they train or if they're going to try to do something larger with it. You know, Austin, a different entity bid for the 2020 marathon trials. They didn't get it, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know if this will attract more interest or more attention having someone like that in, in place. But at the very least, it will be it'll be fun to follow. And if they need food wrecks, let me know. I'm here. Exactly. That's yeah. The- uh, email? Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. All right. House at gmail.com. The email address. Let's go to Colin from Palo Alto. Which is where Edric Florial coached before he coached Kentucky. He was mm. at Stanford. Everything's tied together. You know, Jason, time is a flat circle, as I once said on a <laughs> television show. <laughs> hey, guys. After your discussion last week about pacing at the Chicago Marathon, it got me thinking about how fast they will take it out. Slower than their PRs would be boring because Rupp and Farrell will just sit on the pacers' tails and try to outkick each other in the last few miles. But if they go out much faster than their PRs than one or both of them will likely blow up and fall apart at the end, which also wouldn't be as interesting. So if they ha- if there have to be pacers, what pace would make the race most exciting? Ooh, that's a good race. Or this is a good question. Yeah, definitely. For our, our math our math guru. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's right. You don't want to take it out. I mean, if you take it out slow, there's really no point to having pacers, right? I mean, you're, the, the goal of pacers is to have a, a fast time, apparently, um, as much as, as Kevin hates it. Uh, so Chicago is a, a fast, course fast course overall. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's had a history of, of pretty fast times. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I it's think you broad want... broad shoulders. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of, like, what a good... Half, halfway. What would be a good halfway split? Yeah, um... Good halfway split, I'd say take it out in what, 62-30, 63? I was going to say 62-30. Yeah. That seems, that seems reasonable enough where it's not, it's not crazy. Um, it is fast. You know, it's faster than both their PRs. Uh, but, you know, I think they could at least get close to holding that pace or at least not mm-hmm. completely fall apart, um, if nothing else. So I, <clears throat> I think that's probably around the goal. You know, hey, let's shoot for 205 and even if we fall apart a little bit if we run 205 high or 206 low like that's fast and you know everyone's happy kind of thing so yeah i think that's i think that's a reasonable way to go it's enough on the it's enough in the middle of not too slow not too fast the gamesmanship about who dictates how fast the pacers go would be fascinating to watch right because if these guys are on the same team still the same group 
it would be boring. But there is going to be a lot of negotiations in terms of how the pace is because both of these runners like things managed. Both of these runners are used to having things set up to cater to what's most advantageous for them. And I'm not talking about just in the marathon because obviously Rupp's run a lot of championship marathons and Farah's kind of had to take a backseat to the insane pace in London. But throughout other stages of their career, they're used to being the prime attraction. And now in a marathon where you don't want to get it wrong and where you're going to try to control as many of the variables as possible, you're going to have two of the biggest names in distance running who are now competing against each other like arguing over what's the what the rabbits are going to do. And I to be honest, like I think Rupp Rupp obviously wants they both want fast times. But I really I think Farah more than anything, I mean he hasn't won one yet. He hasn't won a marathon yet. Right. I think he really wants to win. Which is not a, a, a like incredibly bold statement by, by any means, but I think to him He'd be perfectly content with it going 209 and getting a win, I think. And because on the on the track, right? I mean, he sort of didn't pursue the fastest time possible. I think once he realized the world record was out of reach, just like, okay, what's the point? Like, I'm not going to go run. I don't even care if I go run 1245. It doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do that, right? So I, I think, I, th- I, don't, I would love to be a fly on the wall during those <laughs> negotiations about what the pace is going to be. And I would not want to be the, the race director making that final decision about what happens, especially because they're going to screw it up anyway. The <laughs> Pacers are going to mess it up. So it's like, all right, whatever. Yeah, that's <clears throat> it's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I, I, certainly he would want to win because that's what he has done basically. His I mean, not whole to say Rupp wouldn't either. Yeah, no, for sure. But um, yeah, I think you know it's probably a combo of that and wanting to like set the European record um, to a sure. And I think you know. I think his best, he thinks his best way to win is with a faster pace because he doesn't want like Rupp just sitting on him. Right. I think. Yeah. And we know Rupp would do that. So, yep. uh, yeah. So, it, I mean, it is a fascinating race. Um, you know, I'm guessing that will be within what the Pacers are going to do within, uh, you know, 30 seconds or so. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think they both can run a lot faster than they have. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, if they run in the 205s, that would not surprise me at all. Brian, the email are formerly from Raleigh, but now from Pennsylvania. Drink. Hey, guys. Kellen Taylor added herself to the list of potential 2020 Olympic marathon team members. Well, Brian, we already discussed this, and <laughs> Jason already added her, so whatever. Uh, with her event record, the course was slightly altered. Apparently, at Grandma's, in one of the post articles, I mentioned she had a six-day waiting period before she could run a marathon after dropping out of Boston. That seemed a bit cruel to me, considering how awful the conditions were in Boston. Rupp seemed to have no problem getting out of that. Although there isn't a global championship this year, looking forward to the U.S. championships this weekend. What event are you looking forward to the most? We should read Brian's emails at the emails at the top. Right, of the he always does such a good of job of. He's basically he's like just, our like our rundown. Producer. Like I mean, yeah. that's yeah, exactly. We should give him edit privileges on the rundown. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I mean, for me, I mean, I want to watch the men's eight, but I also just want to see the men's two and the women's four. Yeah, those are the biggest. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go women's. Four. Four first, mm-hmm. and if Lyles is in it, then men's two is right there. If it's not, it's still up there, but not quite as quite as good. A Laura, but not our Laura, writes in. Hi, House of Run. While struggling through one of my runs this week, 
labeled on Strava as, quote, I hate running. I had plenty of time to think and try to give myself a pep talk about how great I actually am. I tried to figure out what year I could have held the world record in my preferred event. Mm. After some thought, I figured the breaking point in my best events would probably be in the late 50s, early 60s, but I was thrilled to see that I could have held the women's world record in the marathon until 1967. This exercise is admittedly easier for women than it is for men. It's great to finally find a benefit from sexism. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, when someone asked my PRs, is it okay to mention my world records? I mean, my 1500-meter world record that wasn't best until 1962 is nothing to sneeze at. Were you the holders of any interesting world records? Which House of Run listener most recently held, in quotes, a world record? Thanks for helping me through my long runs and runs that are just long. That is a Laura, but not our Laura. Uh, in terms of who's a, I mean, Evan in Ohio qualified for the 2020 Olympic trials. Yeah. So. And we've had some that. athletes we've interviewed before who have claimed that they listened. I don't know if they were just being nice or not. Um, which, hey, I mean, appreciate it either way. Uh, yeah, as far as when could I have held a record, that's really interesting. I, I Googled the mile world record progression. Just curious. Okay, what do you got? Uh, 1855, the record was 428. So I th- I never quite got that low, but I think, I, I, you know, if I would have really aimed for it, I, I w- might have gotten a, had a chance at that, but they don't even keep Is it. Is that the oldest that goes that's back? That's as far as it goes back. Oh, um, that's, that's the... That was, so that, that's rough. I mean, that was the professional, yeah. The amateurs was 455 um, in 1861. Oh. You know, in, in the, and these are all from the UK. Um, so no one else really bothered <laughs> to keep track no of times. Oh, well, I'll take that amateur 1855 record and put that in my pocket because I looked up the marathon and the oldest... Recorded one, Johnny Hayes, no relation to Johnny Football, <laughs> Jason's wife, in 1908, 255.18. I've, I've yet to run 255, but I'm sure tons of our listeners have. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, our listeners, I mean, we, we've said our listeners are smarter, faster, basically, you know, superior to us in, in basically every way. Um, My goal when I got, so when I went to Oregon, when I started, they still have like regional qualifying times. Like if you just hit that time, you got it. Like you got to compete in regions, mm-hmm. regionals for NCAAs. And I think for the 5K, it was something like for the, it was like 1440 or 1430 for the, fi- and I was like, oh, that's my goal. Like before I graduate, I want to do that. Then after one year of training seriously and not getting anywhere near that, I was like, okay, I'm not going to be able to do that. Then I found out, um, I was talking to my coach, Tom Heinen, who coached the U of O women's team. I was like, what's the fastest woman you've ever coached? And he said, Annette Peters. I said, how fast did she run a 5,000? I think it was – I'm going to screw this up. I should look it up. But it was it was like low 15s mm. in, in essence. So I was like, okay, I want to get – like I want to be the fastest person he's coached, excluding men. <laughs> right. It's very, very – well, now it says her PR is – okay, 1456. So I was way off. I never got that fast. But anyway, that was my – what was your PR for the 5K? Uh, 15. Oh, geez. Did I just blank on it? 1547? Is that right? I, I have no idea. But I was looking up 5K world record progression. Uh, you would have been the fastest 5K runner of all time between 18, uh, May 22nd, 1899 until your record was broken in July 22nd of 1900. So you just bare, almost got in the 19... Well, actually, you did get in the 1900s, and then someone broke it that year. 
So wait, so what was it before? So in uh, eighteen ninety nine, it was sixteen twenty nine, and then in okay. nineteen hundred, it was fifteen twenty nine. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I'm looking where I'm at on the club list here. Fifteen forty seven point seven one. Okay, that was it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you you got into the nineteen, you know, into the twentieth century. I guess congratulations. Oh, see, I never would have thought. I would have thought my best chance would have been the marathon, but I only ran one marathon, so that makes sense. So nice. Thank you very much, Laura, for this email because really, <laughs> I can talk trash to all the eighteen hundreds people. <laughs> Fred Curley is like, dang it, what like, are you guys doing? <laughs> Yeah, he has the record for for all eternity. Um, one more email, and then we'll get to to a voicemail with some Des Moines recommendations. Appropriate way to close nice. out the show. Uh, Bob, longtime listener of the show in California, he says, "Liked your appearance on the Solid Verbal show." Oh, I I did make an appearance on the Solid Verbal last week. Nice. Dan Dan visited Austin. He was staying in my guest room, and. He recorded his podcast in here. By the way, his setup a little more sophisticated than ours, but still, it was good to see. Well, they have the Podfather. Good I mean, see, that makes sense. Yeah, what is also good to see, like some of the greats in contemporary podcasting, still using like our sort of area, mm, you know. Yeah, and 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 you know, made me feel a little bit better. But anyway, they had me at the, on at the end of the show. They were doing an all email show, so I helped them ask answer questions which were mostly about grilling, which is ironic because I haven't had a grill since like 2013 when we moved apartments and they did not allow me to have grills. And I haven't got one yet here in Austin because it's really hot. And uh, it just doesn't seem fun to be outside generating more heat right. in, in the heat. But it was, it was fun to go on. I hadn't been on in years and years and years. But uh, Bob listened. He said, uh, of course, I'm a USC fan. Very happy about the women's team win. Oh yeah, I did. I did give a shout out to the USC women on there because I was trying to attract some new listeners, mm. and I said, "Hey, all you USC football fans out there, you guys also have a really good track team." And here's what happened in the four by four with Kendall Ellis. So we probably uh, have several episode. new listeners this week. Yeah, I should. I guess I should have welcomed them at the beginning, right? <laughs> Instead, I went right into the obscure "without limits" quote about <laughs> Plato and the tales, <laughs> world's creation. It's Lost, lost. That pretty much, though. I that heard. I think that sums up that. Like, if they if they can get through that, then they they're prepared for the show. Like, I mean, we I, I don't I kind of don't want to ease them in. I want to go. Hey, this is this is the weird crap we talk about every week. So this is the show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You either like the show or you don't like the show. But also, us talking about the 2018 U.S. champs. I mean, it's not not the strongest hook, right? I'll, I'll say. Yeah, that's fair. If you're a new listener, especially if you're coming off the the NCAA championships. But we did we did mention. Kendall Ellis. Uh, he said, that episode spoke to me since I originally found you from the Solid Verbal so many years ago. Take care. I hope all is well. That is Bob. So, yeah. Wow. Another, another full circle moment there. Yeah, I've had the uh, privilege of meeting Bob in person, I th- think, at the marathon trials in 2016 in LA is where I got to, to meet him. So, appreciate listening. Bob, we have one more message to get to. Eric from Iowa called in with some Des Moines recommendations. So these are good for us and obviously good for any listeners who are going to be there. So it's a long voicemail, but I think it will be um, a good listen. I'm just looking at the transcript, and the transcript can be tricky. <laughs> it's it's always, yeah, very, very weird. But I, but I see a lot of names of restaurants, so I'm assuming this will be helpful. 
Um, but again, we'll we'll listen to it all together here for the first time. All right, here we go. Hey guys, it's Eric from Iowa calling back. I uh, called a month or so ago. I promised that I would call back and give you a little Des Moines preview, and it's time to do that. Hopefully, I've caught you in time to uh, get on a show before the the USA Championships. Um, if there's any uh, fans coming to Des Moines, first off, I want to let you know our our uh, motto for the championships. The uh, unofficial motto is uh, Des Moines 2018 USATF Championships. Eugene's loss is our gain, and we're uh, we're very grateful to get these championships. Uh, some some things you're going to want to check out in Des Moines. Um, you know, the meet most of the action is going to be late afternoon evening. You're going to have time to kill, so I wanted to give you a few local hot spots you're going to want to check out. Um, one is Peggy's. Peggy's is a little hole-in-the-wall bar there on, on Forest. Um, it's a Drake University institution. If you want to uh, get something to drink, that's a place I would recommend. would be a great spot if uh, House of Run folks wanted to have a get-together. Um, it's within walking distance of the stadium, probably about three minutes from the stadium, so you're going to want to check out Peggy's on Forest. Uh, Jethro's is a good restaurant to check out, also right there on Forest. Um, Spaghetti Works is another nice restaurant. It's on Court Avenue, downtown Des Moines. If you're looking for uh, entertainment, Des Moines has a very nice art center um, worth checking out off of Grand Avenue. Close to that Des Moines art center is Greenwood Park, which if you want to get a run in, Greenwood Park um, is a place you get on to a really good trail system, so I'd recommend uh, checking that out if you want to run. Uh, Des Moines Science Center downtown is, is very interesting to check out. Des Moines has a zoo called the Blank Park Zoo. Brooklyn Game 2. Also, uh, if you enjoy architecture, salvage, that type of thing, there's a business called West End Architectural Salvage downtown that is kind of fun to browse around. And then finally, if you've got a little time to take in a movie, um, I would recommend the local Art House, uh, the Fleur Cinema and Cafe, which is on Fleur, um, kind of close to the airport. But anyway, I want to welcome everybody to Des Moines. We're really uh, glad to have you as well as all the athletes. And uh, here's to a great championships. Thanks a lot, guys. Hope to see you there. Bye. All right, that is Eric in Iowa calling in with some great recommendations. I'm checking to see if that movie theater is going to be playing Uncle Drew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that looks like a cinematic classic. But, oh, it, it is. It's already out. Is that true? True. Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure. All my focus is ah. on Incredibles 2. I'm really excited about that. June 29th. Okay. I might have to see Incredibles instead. Yeah. Dang it. Bad timing. Uh, I'm looking at some of these locations. Yeah, these restaurants are really close to the track. This is going to be good. And I'm excited to check out Greenwood Park um, and get a run in because um, it's tough to find, like, a consistent spot to run when you're on the road. And the weather looks okay as of now. doesn't look too hot. Uh, a lot of looks like there's rain in the forecast, which I'll take that ahead of, like, 100 degrees in humidity. So. Yeah, coming from Austin or Las Vegas, mm-hmm. like it's Iowa was almost certainly going to be better. Side note, my air conditioner went out yesterday, which was awesome. Ugh. So, do you have any reason why? Uh, just probably it's it, like the house isn't super old, but it's almost fifteen years old, and you know AC works super hard out here. So yeah, just, have you cha- been changing the filters? 
Always change the filters. Yep. But uh, yeah, and just had to drop way too much money to fix it. So Ugh. fun stuff. <laughs> Exciting times. I have to change. Well, I'm not. I'm not a homeowner like you are. Hmm. I'm a home renter, but we have to change the filter out, which I've never done before because in LA you don't really use your air conditioner. It's really easy. Just really? just make sure the arrow is pointing the right way, Kevin, and then you're all set. I, th- I went on YouTube for a long period of time, and then I opened up my thing. I'm like, I don't know where this thing is. So <laughs> Katie reached out to the management, and I guess someone came over and like pointed it out. Mm. I still haven't seen it. Yeah, it's on my to do list. Before I go, um, any last words before we part, Jason? Castor Semenya is going to be suing the IAAF in federal court. Yeah. And in a court of arbitration of sport. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, I don't know. It's obviously such a weird scenario. I don't even <clears throat> fully know where I come down on it because it's just like kind of these relatively arbitrary limits and stuff they come up with and Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's fair. I don't know if it's unfair. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see what comes up with that. Uh, also, so you, you texted me that the uh, Asbel Kiprop was tweeting at David Rudisha. There's um, some fire coming. Asbel <laughs> Kiprop. Let me let me read some of his recent tweets. He's not going quietly into that good night. Although he did say he's going to retire now because nobody believes him. Hmm. Um, yeah, like. June 17th. Well, here, let me just read a couple of these. Starting with, let's start with June 12th. It hurts the most when inaccuracy assumes transparency. Here, truth is at stake and truthfulness is diverted. People of common goals lose trust. Haters in the weak have a say and our goals change. Then we realize that some people are desperate for survival. I don't don't know what that means, really. Uh, Then he continued, once inaccuracy fools your master... There you're left with nothing but own strength and the believe inaccuracy and truth. Inaccuracy is never permanent. I think I think I know what he's saying there. Uh, what should we do to safe those who are falsely accused of doping? Should we let inaccuracy win over our careers and destruct the young, talented dreamers plus bring doubts to the sport? And then he tagged like WADA, <laughs> Anti-Doping Kenya, IAAF, Sebco. Didn't tag us though. Uh, then the next day, June 13th, false accusations are meant to kill our credibility. Our only challenge is to find the reason why. Why do epiphetic seem green? Then June 13th, <laughs> sometimes losing the battle means winning the war. Hashtag no to dopig. Um, then he retweeted an inspirational quote. Then June 7th. Okay, June 17th is where things pick up here. When I was young and optimistic, critics said I won't make it. When I overcame critics, I made it. And when I was cruising, they said I faked it. It's my light duty to prove all critics and negativity wrong. I overcame. I shall overcome. I will beat hatred and doubts. Whoever believes Asbel Kiprop dope lives in negativity and category of dopers. As much as I hate doping, I hate inaccuracy and possible unjust schemes. I will always support anti-doping even when my integrity is being offended. It's at hand, the time we need our accusers, our doubters, our friends, and our trustees to join hands with us to invalidate inaccuracy. We must stand firm to fight doping and all falsehood, including unjust schemes. When I first received a phone call from IAAF agent to meet me confidentially when I was in E10 last February, I was so excited. I thought the world governing body had realized my efforts from training I used to post. Nothing like doping rang on my mind. Let's we be loyal and integral in everything we encounter and in our duties, but let's... We not but all survivals 
sorry, strength in one thing. Let's all work hard and in truthfulness, let's do good for the best. But in everything, let's expect the worst. Um, and then this one from yesterday. I'm not a lab science technician, but I can single-handedly discredit the unjust. I believe in science, but not those who are desperate to discredit nature at their own negligence. I can sacrifice for higher education to discredit unjust in science. And then here's the tweet you were talking about. So on, let's see. What did he delete it? Part of that sounded like a slam poem that he was reading. The yeah, it's like he's like first off, <laughs> get out the way. Yo. Like I, uh, I think he might he might have deleted it. he might have deleted it. Can do you have your phone? Can you pull it up on your phone? I do I have my phone. I definitely uh, screen. I think I screenshot it and sent it to you. Yes, you did. I had really good. Uh, I had a, I, I had a premonition that that might be deleted. I think. So. Uh, David Radisha tweeted, this is disappointing for track and field. The big question is, who is responsible at Athletics Kenya, at uh, Ross Association, at Asbel Kiprop, 1,500-meter Olympic and world champion Asbel Kiprop test positive. Uh, and then Asbel was... So that was, that was like from... This was from That was like from May a couple 3rd. months ago, right? Yeah. And then just... Okay, when, it, when the news came out. Yeah, then just, just like, well, here you go. It's a month and two weeks since you tweeted this. My question to you as one of the world's top ath- athletic figures is... Do you believe I took EPO November 2017? I know you're reading this, and I expect your answer. Tacking me and AK, <laughs> tacking me and AK is inaccurate. Um, I woof. Yeah, so I fully expected David Richter to tweet something back at him that was completely like didn't make any sense and was just like him running into a fountain with the sunset and things like that, but. Yeah, I mean, so uh, David just like screenshots his uh, his test results and just sends it back. To <laughs> it's just I so I mean, we talked about this before. With anytime someone tests positive and they deny it, like whether we believe them or not, there's always like the percentage, right? For me, it's the percentage. Like, what percent chance do you think there is that Asbel Kiprop did not in any way test positive? I mean, is it 10%? Is it, you know, less than that? Because, like, you have to leave open the small possibility that he did just completely sure. screwed over. Um, I, you know, I believe that based on the story and all this stuff that he did take things he wasn't supposed to. Uh, but I can't say with 100% certainty that he did. So that's that's what is the worst part is because we just, unless someone fully admits it, we never 100% know. Um but I, you know, I'll give I'll give Kiprop, I don't know, five to ten percent or something like that. That, and he's being he's being so, um, you know, adamant about everything. And yay, liars are adamant all the time. So it's hard to, it's hard to say anything. But uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's just I don't understand the original story that we talked about. The reasoning he gave it made no sense at all. Didn't make there was a yeah it made no sense. So. I think he'd be better served by like clarifying that, right? Than whatever this than whatever this is, and I'm not entirely sure what this is. But yeah, it's maybe this make maybe this makes sense to like a certain to, to like somebody out there, but uh, it's quite uh, it's it's still very murky to me. Like even what argument he's making, he's standing by the whole idea that he paid them off or they asked for money and then they didn't give him, he didn't give them enough money. So they 
tainted his sample. Right. Even though he says they never named a dollar amount. They never asked from, for I mean, more. Just, or, or, I don't know. I, yeah, it was such a weird right. scenario to begin with. And that's, yeah, and that's where almost all, I mean, you test positive, that's that's most of my doubt going or away right there. But then the super weird story. Um, I just, I can't wait for David Reduce's response, really, because I, I hope it's in like. He's got to respond, like right? I know you're reading like this. Like, like, he's. It's like. I don't know. It, it'd be. He's calling him out. I mean, he's calling him out. Yeah. I mean, he waited. I mean, a month and two weeks <laughs> since he tweeted, you know, to, to basically respond to Rudisha. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Rudisha randomly responds to him in like September. And you think that it's just going to be a picture? Uh, or is he just going to respond with, yes, yes, I believe you were? <laughs> It'll be something that's not clear for sure. And I mean, odds are he won't yeah. respond because like he's not, a, you know, Rudisha's not a controversial guy really, except for pretending to be in an ambulance or uh. weird scenarios i guess um <laughs> it was a public service announcement yeah so he's a strange guy um and maybe he will respond maybe you know I, I i hope he does because it's infinitely more interesting if he does but uh i would guess he probably doesn't i think he i mean he has the leverage i mean he has the upper hand here right because kiprop is the one who's number one calling him out and kiprop's the one who's accused Rudisha's statement wasn't even controversial. It's like, oh my gosh, this is a, a bad day. We have to do something about this. And he d- even said, "Who is responsible?" Like, and then tagged the three people. Like he didn't, he didn't say, "I'm so sad to see that Asbel took EPO." Like he just said, "This is disappointing for Checkfield." But the question is, who is responsible? And then tagged the possible people who could be responsible. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I, I like weird Twitter wars for sure. Um, and if yeah. if Hasbell actually is uh, is innocent, I feel really bad for him because he's not really necessarily helping his case, but he's trying really really hard. He's trying to tweet out of it, tweet tweet his way to exoneration. Which again, I don't as a legal strategy. I don't know. I don't know if that's the best way to do it, but that seems there seems to be a lot of people trying to do that these days, with varying varying degrees of of success. Houseofrun at gmail.com, the email address. Uh, let us know what you think of this Twitter war and also what you think of the USA Championships this weekend. Um, like I said, I'll be there. Come say hello. Send me a tweet. Go for a run. It sounds good. Jason will be watching from afar, but we will be back next week to to recap all of it. Any last words, Jace? No. Thank you for the emails, voicemails. Uh yeah, it's short show this week. This wasn't, you know, I'm previewed USA is not a ton of emails because we recorded early in the week. But uh, yeah, thanks everybody mm-hmm. for for listening, and we'll be recapping USA's. Have a have a good trip out there. Thank you, thank you. And for anybody who's looking for a consistent recording time, not gonna happen probably. So <laughs> yep, sorry, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> this one, oh, I should thank you, Jason, for getting up early because you are two hours behind us here, and we had to do a, a Tuesday morning recording. So thank you. Your dedication for the show never goes fully acknowledged, and I appreciate it. And on behalf of the listeners who get upset not knowing when the show comes out, they thank you as well, too. Yep. Sorry, guys. Uh, Like Kevin said, it probably won't change. All right. House of Run, gmail.com, 202-495-1137. Follow us on Twitter, at House of Run. Until next week. Jess Guinness. Sydney's running the Open 4. 
bold prediction coming true. What was the prediction? She's going to be the second youngest person ever to break 50? Yeah, which really sounds stupid. Um, I wish it was the youngest, but then that random German in the 80s or whatever ruined it. Yeah. Well, you hedged, but at the time, it, I mean, it could it could happen. So. Oh, yeah. It's like, I actually expect, like, I mean, she ran it a few times. Like, it probably would have happened by now. But um, I think this, you know, he's got a good shot in this one. <laughs> 